Hey guys, welcome into the Bear With Us podcast. I'm Jack. He is Frank. Uh, Frankie, we got a draft to talk about. Let's fucking go. Uh, we did talk a little bit about Darnell Wright uh, in, when he initially got drafted on Thursday night. If you're curious to get our uh, initial thoughts on that, uh, go check out that episode uh, after you listen to this one where we'll go a little more in depth about the pick. Uh, and then, of course, we'll be breaking down the rest of the draft as well. Um, we'll give our favorite picks, our, our least favorite, or, you know, our, our maybe picks we wish they would have gone with instead. Um, and then uh, we'll talk a little more about what we can expect from this offseason. I believe Frank Rookie Minicamp is like this weekend or something like that. It, it like, comes I around how, quick. They have like a quick yeah. three-day rookie minicamp. Yeah. Yeah, I forget how fast this offseason typically tends to go until we get to about like June or July, and then it's just brutal. Um, but uh, in the meantime, Frank, let's go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and just list off the picks that the Bears made, the 10 draft picks, which, my God, I think that's the most amount of draft picks the Bears have had in uh, forever. Um, it feels like, especially in the last few years, we've only had like five picks to talk about just because yeah. of how many, you know, trades have been, have, have happened and whatnot. So um, going over the bears draft here, uh, they traded back from the first pick. Obviously we've talked a lot about that. They traded again to the ninth pick. They traded back one more spot in the first round to get Darnell, right? Picking up a 2024 fourth round pick to, again, we talked a little bit about that trade. Um, Frank, just kind of looking back on it. Has your, Thoughts changed it all about Jalen Carter. Are you still kind of like, I wish we had maybe taken a risk. Do you still like the, the pick of Darnell Wright? I, I, I loved it, especially, especially passing on Jalen Carter. Um, I mean, to me, you know, that, and I think it's going to be something we're going to talk about over the next couple of years as they're building this thing. Like, it's very clear that like character matters. And again, like throw away the incidents, chalk that up as like uh, mistakes but the other things that we heard from everyone is just the immaturity. Again, the pro day thing was like, you failed an open book test. This this team isn't ready for that yet. You know, and everyone, you know, because if all works out, this kid has the potential to be a Hall of Fame defensive tackle. We, we know the, the the pro comps that he's had, the names that were brought up, you know, with uh, during the draft process for Jalen Carter. But, you know, you also need to couple that with a situation that can actually help bring him along. And, and the Bears just aren't there yet. They're they're another draft or two away from being able to take those sorts of chances. They needed this pick to absolutely hit. You think about a plug and play uh, tackle. Darnell Wright was it. Yeah, and uh, again, you you think about the just the situation that Jalen. You know, and, and and that's the thing too is the Bears were not the only team that needed a defensive tackle. Like we talked about how uh, impressive Jalen Carter was as a prospect just from the football side. Um, and there were a few teams we thought that he could go to in, you know, even before reaching to nine and uh, you know, that being Seattle, Detroit, the Raiders, even, the you know, Cardinals. they still need talent, the Cardinals as well. Um, a lot of those teams in the top 10 needed Jalen Carter and uh, almost everybody passed on him except yeah. for the Eagles trading up. But again, it's just where the Eagles are at, you know, with their team, the way that it's been built um, Jordan Davis, Nolan Smith, like there's, I think they have like now like six, Georgia Bulldogs on that team. Like it's, it's pretty funny how many bold like Georgia players they have. It almost feels like Ryan pace may have taken over the Philadelphia Eagles at some point just to go get those guys. 
Um, but again, I think it's, and, and, you know, listening to some of the conversations that were had after the draft where people opened up a little bit more about who they were targeting, um, Darnell, Wright, Like, but it sounds like the bears put him through the ringer in terms of like a draft you know, workout and, and like crazy shit, like things, I think, uh, that his, his Darnell Wright's agent was like, I've never heard of this. Like, it's crazy. And he just kept pushing and then they, he didn't quit, didn't give up. And on the flip side, uh, they talked a little bit about just coming out from the pro day. Cause Frank, that was the first time you were like, I'm out. Like I'm out. I don't care what his criminal stuff. I don't care what that comes back yep. as I'm out regardless. And apparently that was the, the, the same for the bears um, because he was like ready to quit. And, and, you know, just with all the outside baggage, like it makes a lot of sense that he may have not been in the best physical shape, but there had also been question marks before the criminal yeah. stuff that had, had come out. So um, yeah, that, that was kind of the thing for, for the bears as well, that uh, Jalen Carter, just maybe not the right time, not the right fit right now. Um, but I I'm fully on board with the Darnell right pick. Absolutely. No, I'm, I'm right got there an with extra you. fourth round, a fourth rounder for well, fucking nothing. And that was the thing that, that was the only thing that annoyed me about the whole thing with the fourth rounder, you know, everyone on Twitter, like, I can't believe you passed up. Like they, they equated it to being us trading Jalen Carter for a fourth round pick. And it's mm-hmm. like, that's not even remotely close to what happened. Nuts, dude. They were passing on him. It, it, it was beyond annoying. They were passing on him. They had some sort of leverage because Ryan Poles talked about it after day one. He said there were, there were other teams that wanted to trade up to, to nine. We weren't comfortable going that far back because Darnell was our guy. And we told the Eagles straight out, we will consider it if they flat out just go crazy. They give us a King's Ransom that we can't refuse. But throw us something. We'll let you move up and you can take them. I mean, it, it sounded like there were pretty blatant conversations happening when they were on the clock at nine. So... That was the only thing that annoyed me where people were acting like we should have gotten like a second round pick to move up one spot for a guy that we weren't going to take anyway. Like, like I, had no one offered anything and there was no possibility to trade back, they would have taken Darnell right at nine. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I do wonder who that team was that might've been looking to jump. Um, part of me feels like it might've been like the, the Titans at 11, maybe, Cause like, that seems like a very Titans decision to make. Cause not like a lot of defensive players went, went after like defensive line guys went super far after that. Um, and, and again, the bears didn't want to trade super far back cause they wanted to keep the ability to draft Arnell, right? That was their guy. That's who they wanted. Obviously that's who they drafted. Um, but moving into the, uh, the second round, cause we haven't had a chance to talk to about these players at all. Um, the number 32 overall pick, obviously the pick that they owned was traded for uh, Chase Claypool. We talked a ton about that. Um, and it'll be interesting, Frank, because the player that was selected was Joey Porter Jr., the cornerback from Penn State. Uh, I'm not, I, I'd be lying to you if I said I wasn't a little disappointed that the Bears hadn't been in that spot because I, I really like Joey Porter. And I think that would have been a, a good fit for them, especially with the way they like physical corners. Um, but Overall, I I don't necessarily think it's like the worst pick to miss to have missed out on. Now, obviously, that took them out of the running on getting other players um, that were available, like uh, you know any of the tight ends, um, Isaiah Forsky from from Notre Dame, who I thought or Fosky, I should say, who I thought could have been a really good fit for them. Some other players, but 
Um, they did end up drafting at the number 53 overall pick that they got for Roquan Smith, Gervon Dexter, the defensive tackle from Florida. And then they traded up with the Jacksonville Jaguars. They traded the 61st overall pick to the Jaguars to be able to trade up to the 56 to get Tyreek Stevenson. Frank, these two players, Gervon Dexter, Tyreek Stevenson. What do you think? Um, Obviously, I think it goes with really without being said, I wasn't very familiar with either of these two players going into the draft. The draft knowledge starts to really wane off, you know, round two for non-skill position guys. I was all in on like, you know, for dynasty purposes, I know a ton of the dudes who were going in the sixth and seventh round. You know what I mean? We know about Tyler Scott. All right. We'll that, get that, to that's, him. that's what I'm saying. And even who, who was the dude from uh, uh, A.T. Perry? Everyone thought was going to go way earlier. And I mean, there are dudes who went late. You know, you're keeping up with. Uh, anyway, um, I have liked what I heard about Gervon. He, um, so I, I guess to put it in perspective, Everything that you heard about Jalen Carter being, you know, the comps being like Warren Sapp, just like a b- bigger, very athletic game wrecker and Damakun Su. Th- th- that was who who uh, Jalen Carter reminded me of. More more in Damakun Su type of player, like clog up the middle, really strong, can take on two or three blockers uh, and still get pressure on a quarterback. As I was watching uh, Gervon's tape, um, he, you know, he, he reminded me, it's, 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 it's cool because you're seeing this sort of cover to this sort of philosophy come together on defense. I think with this draft, because he reminded me a lot of Anthony Adams has taped it. Um, Ooh, okay. And I, I, it was a former bear who, who goes on one of the uh, NBC shows. It may have been, um, uh, who, who was the dude that we, uh, from, from Florida, uh, fuck. Why am I blanking? He Jonathan was a, Bullard. No, he was a defensive end for us way back in the day. He oh, with uh, Alex Brown. Alex Brown. Alex Brown was talking about it, and he was like, look, as, as great as it was, or as, as great as it would have been to have a talent like Jalen Carter, think back to, to how many really good defenses that the Bears had with this cover two under Lovey. When did they ever have a really dominant three-tech? Like, they had um, Tommy Harris, but he was usually hurt. But, like, we had super successful years with guys who weren't, like, star names. He was like, he's like, you, you always take that type of talent on the interior, but it's not necessary for this defense. And he was sort of breaking down, you know, what it does take to, to build that. Um, and he was just talking about the two defensive. T- I know we're going to get to the other one soon, but like, those are the types that fit. Those are the type the, the athletic profile, the, the arm length, like everything was there. Um, I know a lot of people, not a lot. It seemed a little bit split. Uh, you know, some people thought he was drafted right, just right. Some people thought he could have been had around a, a later, but I mean, he looked explosive on tape. He, he looked, he, he looked good. Um, and then you just sort of coupling that, what they did with uh, with free agency, Jack. I mean, all in all, the floor has been raised, especially yeah. on defense. The floor is like, you know, still concerns about edge that we'll get to. But that interior line, you know, I know we're going to talk a little bit later as well about sort of what Matt Eberflus's job is going to be with in all of this in the, in the coming years. But they're building the way he likes to build. He likes to build on the inside out. He would, he would prefer right. to start interior and go outside and getting two defensive tackles, you know, in the top... 65 is uh is is a way to do that what did you feel about Gervon yeah I mean I think that you like clearly just from the draft overall uh Ryan Poles values the athletic ability much more than statistics much more than um you know other things that people are scouting um and he's looking I mean the relative athletic score was like all very high like he doesn't care about your numbers or how much you played in college at least it seems like um 
he cares if what you have are non-teachable traits uh, so that when you get to the coaching staff, he's going to turn that over to Matt Eberflus and trust the de- trust that his coaches that he hired are able to develop these players and, and bring the best out of these guys. Uh, you know, Gervon Dexter, I like the side, like you see it, like just watching his tape from Florida, like you just see that he's like a legitimate defensive tackle. He's going to be a very, I, I think he's going to be a very, very good player in this defense. Um, and like you said, they're, they're looking to build inside out right now. They're looking to go inside, dent the pocket, make it a little bit easier for the edge rushers. Frank, I'm not going to lie to you. I think that the part of me thinks that the bears might still believe in Travis Gibson to a certain extent. They also might think that DeMar- uh, Dominique Robinson can take another step given full off season has already been in the defense for a year. Um, and, and maybe they just want to focus on that, but there's a lot of rotation. I think what's really good is they're building a lot of their depth right now. Like we were just talking about the grades we were giving the defensive line. And I mean, you look at their unofficial depth chart right now, it is very hard not to feel a lot better about it. Oh yeah. As, as we talk today, I would still, uh, I, I would still, I, mine was an F it'd probably be a D plus now, but yeah, sure. I mean, that's a huge, that's still, again, that's raising the floor phenomenally. And that that's without us seeing, you know, guys, um, the rookies coming in, the free agent signings, the progress that the guys that came in last year. So yeah, absolutely. And it, and it didn't really help that a lot of, I mean, you think of how many defensive linemen like went in the first round and the upper echelon of the second round, the board didn't really fall to them to have to, you know, to be able to go more of positional need, which again, I like, I like that Ryan Pol. we've talked about this as well. we didn't think Ryan Poles should just be sacrificing everything to go for one specific position. This team isn't built like that right now, built to do that at this moment. They, they, they need everything. Yep. Um, so, you know, it seems like Ryan Poles got a guy that he really likes. Um, the other guy that they drafted in the second round, Tyreek Stevenson, Frank, I was watching that. Some of that tape that they, that the bears posted on their Twitter. Yeah. Man, it's hard not to to get excited about this dude. What do you think of Tyreek Stevenson? But first of all, let, let let me not you know act like I love the pick immediately. It, it it wasn't anything against him. We had the same conversation last year when they when they took two secondary uh, players in the second round as their first uh, first picks of the draft. But I wanted to come away from this draft with a future starting center. It didn't happen. It, it just is what it is. Um, so I was upset with the cornerback pick. Again, nothing against him. I knew nothing about him. But then watching his tape, sort sort of isolating who he is as a player. You talk you talk about what you like about Joey Porter being his physical. God damn, is that kid physical? I mean, there he's he lays the lumber. Um, but my only thoughts were, I'm a little um, I'm a little conflicted, Jack. And maybe you can sway me one way or the other. So the one thing that we talked about in last year's draft was that. Were, they picked two secondary pieces when the offense was in dire need. Because forget the defense. They weren't going to win very much anyway. They got the first overall pick, right? It, it, it all came together. But we needed them to be stars. And and that doesn't necessarily mean in year one. It takes time to develop. But those two need to be stars. Um, as the season went along, Kyler Gordon played more and more nickelback versus outside. A little worrisome. But then here's where the, the, the conflict comes into play. All offseason last year, 
The coaching staff, the front office said, we're going to find where guys play best and we're going to put them there. That means offensive line. That means linebackers. That means uh, secondary pieces. Everyone. We're going to see what they do best and we're going to play to their strengths. So the, the conflict comes in. One, it's very clear to me that they they did that and they said, you know what, Kyler may, may be okay or above average outside, but we think he's great on the inside. So the positive is that your coaching staff found a spot for someone, you know, found some, somewhere to put that sort of talent. <laughs> but the negative is we drafted a nickelback in the second round. You know what I mean? Like that, that is sort of the negative to it, um, which can also be spun into a positive of like, you sort of know what you have now and you're not going to, you know, force a square peg into a round hole, which is, is a good thing. I mean, you've talked about, you know, even what they, what they did with Vellis Jones last year and like benching him, like not doubling down on your mistake. Those are good things, but Again, the talent evaluation can be a little bit worrisome when it comes to Kyler Gordon and what, where they're playing him. Um, and then fast-forwarding to the Tyreek Stevenson thing, that sort of confirmed. They do not want... Um, they don't want Kyler on the outside. This dude is not... He's a long guy. He's not playing inside. Kyler, he's, he's a little bit smaller than him, so he's clearly going to be their nickel guy moving forward. I know it's a passing league, and I know they're going to stress the importance of the nickel back position. I get that. But you can sign some nickelbacks in free agency and use that second round pick last year on George Pickens. You know what I mean? Like there are things that you could have done a little bit and all will be forgiven as this team continues. There's going to be mistakes, right? Like no GM is perfect. No coaching staff is ever perfect. But that, that was what was bothersome to me. Do you view it in like a similar yeah. lens or, or like where, where do you stand no, on I, it? I think that's our, I think that's a really, it, it, it's funny. It's like, I really treated this. I'm not going to lie. To you, I really treated this as Ryan Pohl's first draft. Like he had all of his picks to work with. He had all the capital he could, you know, he could need. Um, this felt more like a Ryan Pohl. Like you just think about how he attacked this draft versus what he did and really didn't do last year. There wasn't a whole lot of of movement um, that he was doing last year. And I think it was just because he didn't really know what he had in his roster. Um, now, granted, that that's not an excuse to not draft the best, you know, players, but the right <laughs> players or anything. Uh, but I, I, I do agree with you that, you know, I, I have a feeling, I have a sneaking suspicion that that polls last year was kind of just drafting best player available, what he may have known from certain guys. I think he was also probably trusting the scouts a little bit more because again, I mean, he was hired as the bears GM a little bit later than some of the other GMs that got hired last year. So like maybe it was a timing thing. I, I I'm not quite sure, but I agree. A, a nickel corner is your second ever pick in the second. Like, it's not ideal. You know, I, we, we've talked about how we would have preferred one of those wide receivers. Again, I think it's kind of like a, it, and, and it is kind of a linear thing, right? Like if they have George Pickens or uh, Alec Pierce, maybe they don't feel the need to send a second round pick, a high second round pick for Chase Claypool, which I'm still not quite sure. I understand why that pick was the pick that it was, you know, it sounds like there were other teams obviously who wanted him, which fine, fair, whatever is what it is at the end of the day. But then if you don't do that, you know, if you draft a wide receiver, then Tyreek Stevenson here makes a lot more sense because you do need that outside corner. Um, And I mean, I, I will say this, Frank, you know, just watching his, the player, I think, Ty, and, and just the way people were talking about oh, the Bears yeah. basically getting a steal entire. Now, granted, we hear that all the time about 
steal this, steal that, and then they end up being busts, whatever. But from a player perspective, just watching what he was doing, I mean, it's very, he's, su- again, super athletic. Yeah. He has a good eye for the ball, too. Like, he made some really damn good plays on the ball um, that I think the Bears need because they didn't get a whole lot of turnovers in their secondary as much as you would really hope, especially in this type of defense. Um, that being said, Vikings just added my favorite wide receiver in this draft. You know, maybe yeah. maybe you do need three corners, like you oh, were no. saying. I know it's a passing league. That's I know you yeah. said that, but I get what you're saying in terms of like we really it, like hindsight. We just drafted a nickel corner when we again could have had potentially a very good young wide receiver to pair with your very good young quarterback. Yeah, no, and that that was where my mind went. But the thing is, Jackie, I'm watching Tyreek's tape. To to me, it's we we talk a lot about identity. We talked a lot about you know just them building something, and, and we're, we're, this is going to be so. This is going to remain true with some of these a lot of these picks. They have a type. If you just like yeah, if you just like whited out his jersey, you would have thought you were looking at Jaquan Brisker. Like they they have a type. Uh, I, I you know it, it, obviously a different position, but just the physicality of it, just the the way he got after it, and even Kyler Gordon's tape was similar to that. Kyler Gordon, and it's it's funny, I guess I, maybe maybe we should have done a little bit better broadcasting that he would be a nickel because now that I'm thinking about it, Kyler Gordon's tape reminded me a lot of Bryce Callahan. Just that like Ooh, a little, a little okay. bit smaller, all over the field, not scared to you know throw yourself uh, in the mix with tackles and things. So I, they're, they're, they're going to sell us on it. I, I get it. And if they start winning or whenever they start winning, we're, we're going to drink the Kool-Aid and it, it is what it is. But that's just where my mind went with it. Um, but Jackie, then the, the next pick sort of goes hand in hand with the uh, Gravon De- uh, Dexter and Zach Pickens at 64. Um, Zach with two C's. Don't, yeah, don't leave out that extra C. Zach with two C's. My only point I want to make, someone, <laughs> I want, I, I've been talking first about all the prospects. The, the one thing that I did see, and, and I'm not going to act like I didn't want it as well. I did want an edge rusher, right? I, I think every Bears fan in the world wanted an edge rusher. Um, but... Can we all agree that the the pass? Or I'm sorry, the the run defense as a whole was much worse than the pass defense because at least the secondary showed a lot of spots. There was there's a lot of highlights last year in spurts. Of course, the pass rush wasn't there at all. I get it, but they couldn't stop a nosebleed when it came to the run defense. And to me, talking about raising that floor, these two defensive tackles coupled with Billings. Coupled with uh, Walker, I mean, these guys that they got are run stuffers. That is a really, really good. Like, the, we we may be to a point where, like, the year or two before the Bears pulled the trigger on getting um, Khalil Mack, when it was like they were getting coverage sacks, they were stuffing the run really well, but they weren't necessarily rushing the passer all that great. Like, I think that that's what we're getting to right now. Again, everyone wants an edge rusher, as we should, but if you're talking about a, a hole. The biggest hole on that defense last year, which is saying a ton because the the, the pass rush was god-awful, but <laughs> the, the run defense was off. I mean, do you remember, Jack, last year coming out of um, the, the preseason games? I was like, dude, I'm really scared that we're not going to be able to stop the run. I know this is preseason, but this is bad. And you got guys, like, every, every, everyone's concerned with, um, you know, the, the linebackers that, that the Bears paid. And like, well, what's going to happen? Well, this is how you build to help have those linebackers make plays. You know, like, again... Pass rush and everything that's that's to, to be seen, but 
they're they're going to be able to hit their holes. They're going to be able to hit you know shoot the gaps. They're going to be able to even blitz better because you have guys on the interior that are that are uh, that are blo- uh, blocking up holes, just being big and being disruptive. So I was very happy. Throw it over to you, Jack. Zach, two C's. How are we feeling? Yeah, uh, I was. I, I'm not going to lie to you, Frank. I was. I was. I was. I was just a little bit pissed, and I didn't really get a, a, a pissed at all throughout this draft because again, I I knew the Bears kind of uh, needed basically everything, but there were certain guys that you and I have talked about on the podcast where I'm like, I'm like, kind of keep an eye out for this guy. And like Marvin Mims, like he literally got drafted the pick before the bears third round pick. And I was like, you fucking motherfuckers, Denver Broncos, you assholes. Uh, Frank, my God, you know, real quick. And as, as an aside, I don't know how many times I had to text uh, one of my friends who was also watching the draft on a, you know, a pick by pick basis. It's like, I mean, goddamn, every wide receiver in this draft, I swear, was like, you know, he's fast, but he's pretty small. And it's like, Jesus, yeah. like, this is the smallest wide receiver draft I can remember in a very, very long time. And Marvin Mims is, is no exception to that rule. But, anyways, the, the Zach Pickens pick. Um, Frank, I mean, geez, people were comparing him, uh, to DeForest Buckner. And yep. I was like, ah, come on, get out of here. And then you start watching it and you're like, oh, okay. Okay. I mean, maybe it's a little unfair cause he's a third round pick and DeForest Buckner went in the first round, but like Zach Pickens is fucking monster, man. Like <laughs> I I'm, I'm not mad about doubling down on the defensive tackle. Cause you bring up an excellent point. The Bears run defense was absolutely pathetic. I mean, they let every team run all over them. And it's an absolute, it was an absolute need, granted. And and this is kind of where I want to talk about this a little bit more, Frank. People who are acting like the Bears, like Ryan Poles made a mistake by drafting defensive tackles and, and not edge rushers. Like, man, we tried to tell you guys, this is going to be a multi-year rebuild. You're not going to get every single thing in one draft, no matter how many picks you have. And Ryan Poles addressed a ton of needs in this draft. And we can't just pretend like defensive tackle isn't a need. You sign Andrew Billings, sure, but that was a one-year deal. He might not even be a starter as of now. Like there's that interior defensive line is going to be so good. And you watch how the Eagles so improved this year, their defensive line just rotated and rotated. Like you need as many pass rushers as you can get, but you also need to be able to stop the run. And I think that these two guys are really going to be able to make that impact. I agree. And, but I I also love the doubling down on it from free agency as well. Cause the pressure isn't on these guys to come in and be day one starters. If it happens, it happens and great. But they have a chance to sit and be, or, or, or I don't want to say sit there, and that's like a quarterback, but you're going to be more rotational early on and get to learn from guys who are playing the three-in-one technique. So I'm really excited about both of those picks, man. And, and again, it was really funny because a lot of people thought that the Gravon Dexter, uh, Dexter, I don't know why I'm having trouble saying Dexter today, pick was a little bit of a reach, but then they thought the Zach Pickens pick was like, why is he still on the board? This is crazy. So that sort of evened out. Uh, you know, the, the consensus there, which which made me feel very comfortable. Um, but yeah, uh, again, the one thing, and I wanted to make this in the very beginning, but I was so excited that I sort of lost that point. This is really 
Ryan Poles is just like you said, this is his first like real draft. He was in, he was part of the scouting process with the bears and his scouts from day one last year wasn't even a rebuild year. Last year was a teardown year. They tore everything down. This year is sort of, you know, year one to start actually building things up in the way that you, you know, to fulfill your vision. You think about all the moves that they made last year and even continuing into this offseason, letting David Montgomery walk, letting, you know, uh, they traded Roquan, they traded uh, Robert Quinn. Like, that was a teardown year. And it wasn't just to, like, to save salary cap. It was to start uh, strategically positioning yourself to build for the future. And this is year one of that. So, you know, again, I'm not going to sit here and act like, oh, I I didn't want an edge rusher. Like, you guys are idiots for wanting one. I I, It's just there's a level of understanding that you're not going to get everything in one draft. Like, sure, he could have reached at any one of these picks based on his board to say, you know, we need an edge rusher here. But, you know, the edge on the board that's still on the board is number eight for us. And there's seven more ahead of him. That's when you start doing bad business. You know what I mean? Like, he's he's just he's not going to reach right now for a need. And he doesn't have to, because just like you said, and I'm, you know, sort of piggybacking off of you, that wasn't the only need on this team. There's a ton of needs on the Bears roster, and he addressed every single pick was addressing them, because this roster had a ton of holes. They won three games last year, Jack. I don't care what it looked like. I don't yeah. care how close a lot of the games were. They lost. They they won three games. That means you have a bad team. You know, it it just is what it is. Yeah, and there was uh, an actually. Um pretty a couple of interesting comments and I'll, I'll read through um, a couple of them. Uh, one being what Rod Marinelli had to say uh, specifically about the, the, the defense that he kind of helped create. Uh, he said that the best indicator for future success at the three tech position is the broad jump. And guess who was number one in the broad jump in this draft? That would be Zach Pickens. Uh, so interesting. There you go. Uh, Todd, uh, Todd McShay said it was a really solid value. Thinks he'll be an impact starter pretty, like pretty soon. Um, and then, uh, Mel Kuyper thought that the bears got a first round talent in Zach Pickens. So, I mean, not for nothing, a lot of people like this pick Frank <laughs> and like, you kind of look at, you know, the rest of the draft, the bears took that pick at number 64, the next defensive end in that third, you know, to be picked was that pick number 75, Zach Harrison to the Atlanta Falcons. Like, so, you know, there's one thing about just drafting position, but then again, you know, we can't have it both ways where you're saying, well, dra- just draft the position. You have to, you have to get the position. You just took a D tackle, but then you can't also say, well, I want the best player available. That's yep. it's not how it works. Um, and, and that's one of the things I really liked about Ryan Poles in this draft is he, he, he just, he talked about a lot after each, you know, each round that went on, he talked about how the board fell the way that they kind of expected it to. Um, and he didn't really seem to panic. Like there, he traded up what once yes. to get, to get Tyreek Stevenson and he traded back a few times. And when he traded up, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't the pace experience where you're giving up, you know, second, third round picks in the future. Like he was trading up for, for not a lot of value. Like, value that you and I were like, this makes sense. Like this makes, why, why does it feel like Ryan Pace is getting fleeced in every single trade? Like Ryan Poles really did things that I thought made sense. Um, and then moving to the, to the fourth round to their next pick, uh, was, uh, Roshan Johnson. Now full disclosure, Frank and I were texting at this point, um, basically yelling at each other about, you know, the bears need to get a center. Yep. Bears absolutely need to get a center. 
Well, Ryan Poles disagreed because he, he didn't draft a center at all. Um, he really believes in Cody Whitehair and uh, and Lucas Patrick. If that's the correct decision, I guess we'll see. But I think, again, it goes back to sort of there's going to be multiple off seasons of, of building. So, um, but Frank, talking about uh, Roshan Johnson, Jackie, um, did... you talked a lot about dynasty. I'm just going to, I'm going to pass it to you in a second. You talk a lot about dynasty. Uh, was Roshan Johnson, a guy that you had, had looked into at all? No, I, I running backs. I, I, after like six or seven, I, I, I don't. And he, he was not on a consensus, you know, list of, of, the, of that number. Um, but He's another one that I'm talking about. They have a type. If you watch his tape, he doesn't look any different than Khalil Herbert. I, I like they're the <clears> same <throat> exact player. But but the thing is though, um, you know, every, people who were upset that Monty left and you know wanted him to be resigned, um, he never looked all that good in this run scheme. Like he he's a shiftier type of you know two three cuts, and I don't know if that's just because. His vision isn't all that great, or maybe just that system, you know, didn't fit his strengths or what. But then you watched Khalil Herbert last year, the one cut and go, I see the hole and I hit it. That's exactly what they have in uh, Rashawn Johnson. Like that, that, that is the player. And uh, Dante Foreman is the same exact way. They have three guys who are the exact type of runner um, with probably Foreman being the most explosive, at least uh, from, from Rashawn's tape. That I saw, he, he seems to have that same level of of burst, uh, Cleo Herbert, which isn't like great, but not like horrible either. Um, I I I was right there with you of being upset that they didn't take a center. Um, but two, two things: one, it makes more sense if you're just talking like on a on a sheet of paper. Forget best player available, just in terms of what the Bears needed. It makes more sense to not get a center this draft than than to not get a defensive end because you have two veterans who can man the fort for this year, if not even next year, if they can stay healthy, right? Like, and with your centers, you need them. It's not just about blocking. It's about being being able to identify the mic and just, you know, shifting lines. I mean, they do a lot of things that a rookie may not be able to step right in and do. To a point where I told you, we were texting, I was like, look, Jack, I want us to get a center with the caveat being that white hair is going to start half the year or the full year. And this guy can probably be a starting or uh, a starting guard this year or just a rotational player when, you know, when, when people get hurt. Um, because centers don't always just plug right in. But the thing was, is the guy that we uh, what was his name from Ohio State that, that we were that we were looking at um, day three? He didn't wind up going until like the fifth round or the sixth round. I mean, it was absurd the way he fell. So it's like it was very clear that no one was high on him. So it was like, yeah, we we passed on him, but so did everyone else multiple times throughout this draft. So right. it was what it was. It was very clear that the league did not look highly on the rest of those centers that were left. Um, I think the only negative thing that I have to say is if they picked the running back, which we figured they probably would because you still need a little extra punch, I, I would have wanted someone to be a little bit more explosive than that, right? Yeah. Like s- someone that can, that the home run hitter type of thing. And I don't think we have that coming out of the backfield. The only guy who can do it is Justin because um, he's a running back too. <laughs> well, so so Roshan is a, is an interesting pick. Uh, I mean, the way that Bijan Robinson is is – his teammate at Texas talked about him. You think that they literally just drafted <laughs> the greatest player of all time. It was, it, it, but like the very common thing that a lot of people gave Roshan Johnson a ton of credit for is his work ethic, how he is as a teammate. Like that seemed to be a big plus. And obviously the other big thing for him 
um, is his pass blocking ability. Yeah. And you and I had talked a lot about that when David Montgomery was, when we were talking about if the Bears should resign him, if he does leave, when he did leave, what will that really look like? Because Khalil Herbert, as explosive as he was, there was probably a reason that he wasn't getting more run in that offense. And it's because they needed some extra blocking because the offensive line was terrible. Um, Roshan Johnson is now a guy that you can bring in on third down passing downs, uh, special teams. Um, it just seems like a really solid pick. And, and one thing that shouldn't be forgotten in regards to this bears team. Yes. The defense was absolutely brutal, but you know what, Frank, so was the fucking special teams and they drafted yeah. a lot of guys who can both, who can add, who can contribute both to the defense or offense, but also, um, contribute on special teams as well. And that kind of seems to be where Roshan Johnson's value is. And again, kind of looking at, you just kind of look around at some of the other running backs that were taken both, you know, just, just after Roshan Johnson, there wasn't a guy out there that I was like, Oh damn, you know, I really wanted to get that guy. Um, a lot of the running backs went before Roshan Johnson. So I, I'm not mad about the pick whatsoever. Um, but I, I was just surprised that it went that they went running back there, but I'm not mad about it. I, I, I like the things I hear from, from Roshan Johnson as an overall player, as opposed to just specifically what can he do at the running back position? Um, the next pick the bears drafted again in the fourth round uh, for uh, the uh, at number 133, it was the pick they got uh, from the Eagles uh, for Robert Quinn. And they drafted Tyler Scott, the wide receiver out of Cincinnati. Immediately, people were like, that's a steal. That's a steal right there. Boom. And I was kind of like, okay, well, why is he a steal? I saw <laughs> I saw Terry McLaurin. I saw yeah. T.Y. Hilton. I saw, I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Well, let's take a look. I got to say, Frank, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited about Tyler Scott. I, I am too. I, as a matter of fact, I may be the most excited about him than anyone else because, you know, Darnell, Javon, Zach, those are the meat and potatoes. They're not going to have highlight tapes unless you actually isolate them and look at pancakes and yada yada. Um, you know, Tyreek may be the day one starter opposite Jalen, but I, the more I watch his film, Jack, he may be the third best receiver on this roster already. Like he might be better than Chase Claypool. Like his and, and the thing is, especially early on in a wide receiver's career, you can rely if you're not there to be the wide receiver number one, you can rely a little bit more on physical ability. What is Tyler Scott's immediate thing that he brings to this Bears team? It's speed. It's just straight line speed. And 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 I know, you know, some people maybe thought that last year of Vellis Jones, but you his highlight tape, you know, coming out, he wasn't making the types of grabs that Tyler Scott was on on, on, on no. film. Um I don't forecast Tyler Scott being like an X by any means. I think DJ Moore is that and, and will continue to be that. But I mean, if you have someone like that to stretch the defense, you may that, that may even allow someone like Komet to open up that middle. Chase Claypool, DJ Moore for slant routes. I mean, Dar Darnell, fuck, Darnell may be the slot guy this year, and, and Tyler Scott may be outside opposite DJ. I mean, we'll see, but I I think that that to me was my favorite pick. Everyone, I mean, people were pretty loud, not only on Twitter, on NFL Network, on ESPN, just saying like they thought this dude was going in the second round. Yeah, 
and they got him in the fourth. And granted, now, are there reasons guys fall when they should necessarily, you know, oh, I'm surprised he, you know, I thought he'd go in the, the first round and, you know, he ended up going to the fourth. You know, sometimes there's a reason for that, that, right, that we right. don't know about, you know, it's a character thing, it's a work ethic thing, could be a number of things. But just strictly looking at talent, you think of guys who do fall, you know, Stefan Diggs obviously being number one. Uh, but again, the guy he's compared to, T.Y. Hilton, T.Y. Hilton was a third round pick and he was extremely productive in Indianapolis for a very long time. And again, just the thing that people were saying about just like Justin Fields will love throwing to this guy. And I just, I love hearing things like that. Granted, he is a little, he's a little small, right? At 5'10", 177, but goddamn, apparently every fucking wide receiver in this class, out of solid of Quentin Johnston was small. Um, But you just like watch that speed, but it's not the same speed that Vellis has, you know, in terms of how he plays, he was way more like Cordero Patterson, Devin Hester, where it's like, okay, we have to manufacture touches to get this guy, the football. So he can use that speed to run. Whereas Tyler Scott, you can use him as a wide receiver. You yep. can throw him the ball because it seems like he has pretty good hands. But the thing that makes me most excited, Frank, about him is breakaway speed. Like once that ball is in his hands, he's gone. He's fucking gone. Like it's not the same. Whereas like, cause they do have, it's, it's funny. They have very similar running backs, but they also have very similar wide receivers who are more of the possession guys. This dude will make a catch, but then also run away and score a 50-yard touchdown. Like, I, I, I'm I'm over the moon about this pick. I'm I'm very excited about Tyler Scott in yeah, this offense. No, and and you you think about you know what we said about um, the Bears needing to invest in Justin Fields. What does Justin Fields do best right now? Throw the deep ball. You get another burner yeah. that stretches that field. You know, and 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 again, th- that should help hypothetically, Justin, develop more in the short game. You have these safeties that are just drawn to Tyler Scott that are drawn to a Darnell Mooney uh, go route. That opens things up. Now you're talking about one-on-one coverage or, you know, linebackers being out of position or linebackers having to cover, you know, someone like Chase Claypool who lines up in the slot for a play or four or five receivers. Like, this can create matchup issues. But uh, I I was sort of laughing a little bit because the way you described it was perfect. And it reminded me of, um, I don't know why my brain, like it kicked in my head. Do you remember the old NCAA games when you were doing like the whole recruiting things and everything? And there were some players that were just called athlete, A-T-H. It was like, and that like the way you described like that's sort of what Vellis is. It's like when you watch this tape, like the route running wasn't great, but you can see the explosion. It's like, he's just an athlete right now. Um, Versus like Tyler Scott, you see the route tree, you see the receiving skills, you see a wide receiver versus, you know, where, where Vellis was more of like an unrefined Debo Samuel, you know, like a poor man's Debo Samuel. So, um, right. yeah, I love the pick, Jack. Um, like I said, that that to me, that once I saw his film and saw what people thought about him, I was that that was I was most excited about that pick. Well, it's funny because I, I, you know, one of our one of the things we wanted to talk about was uh, simply just who was what was our favorite pick. Unfortunately, I think you and I both kind of just spoiled it and yeah. uh, have, of course, the same fucking pick. Because, because why? You know what? For for sake of it, I'll say I'll say Tyreek uh, Tyreek Stevenson was my favorite pick. Um, just because I I like, uh, which is funny because it's a corner, and I, you know, we talked for hours about how 
if they take a corner, I'm going to be pissed and yada, yada, yada. Granted, they didn't do that in the first round, you know, but again, they got an offensive lineman. They got a defensive lineman. Then they took a corner. They really liked, I'm okay with that. And, and just watching his tape, I think he's a really, really good physical corner. And I also don't want to have the same answer that as you, uh, but unfortunately Tyler Scott would also be mine. If I was being brutally honest, uh, Frank fifth round pick, I think this is kind of the last one that I really want to talk about. We'll still cover the names just so we can say we did. Um, that I really wanted to discuss um, the uh, so th- they traded that fifth round pick to the Jaguars so they could trade up to get Tyreek Stevenson again number 136 they just drafted at 133 so again you you kind of didn't have to pay anything to move up in that second round like that's that's savvy I like that um, and then in the fifth round they're they're one of their two picks. They uh, drafted Noah Sewell, the linebacker from Oregon, who, Frank, I'm not going to lie to you, I didn't even know was in this draft. I remember hearing about him like two years ago, and yep. like everybody was like, he's a first-round pick. This guy's a fucking stud. Uh, and he goes in the fifth round to the Bears. Um, and again, I think this was the pick they got for Roquan as well, I think. I can't remember why they have this pick. Maybe. Um, but anyways... Uh, people again, really, really like this pick, Frank. What did you think about Noah Sewell going in the fifth round to the Bears? Um, that was the first. I it was funny because I was like, why do I know his name? And <laughs> finally, it was like two days after the first or, or, or after the draft, maybe a day after. Someone had it because I I always like you know a week after the draft look at the t- way too early draft picks. Uh, Noah Sewell was mocked to the bears in the two early draft picks in the first round and like on like three different websites and someone on Twitter, I should have saved it so I can, I could uh, give them their, their due, their credit, but just know this was not my finding, but um, yeah, there were like, this guy was, was touted as a first round pick. So clearly the talents there, but the one thing, um, you know, speaking of that, there are a lot of scouts that they don't like, even if your production stays the same, they don't like when you sort of top out your freshman or sophomore year. They want to see like ascension. They want to see you continue to, to to grow. And that's sort of what happened with him. It was just sort of, man, like the flash, this is him. And then it didn't get better than that. So that sort of spoiled everything. Not saying he still should have been a first round pick, but um, yeah, my first thought was his tape looks good. He reminded me a lot of, uh, of Jack Sanborn, to be honest with you. And yeah. I think, yeah. I, I mean, that that's going to be, you know, we talk about what we're going to talk about in the off season. That's going to be a camp battle to look out for. I, I, I would assume is, uh, is who's going to be, the Sam, are they going to be competing for the Sam? Yes. Yeah, right, because who was, why am I blanking on, who was the guy that we signed to be the Will? TJ Edwards. Edwards. I The Edmonds and Edwards, both Eds, throw I me know. It's, I know. Um, it's, you're yeah, not so going to be the only person who does it, Frank, I promise. Yeah, but, I mean, <laughs> Sewell should, you know, be competing, which, which is huge for a fifth rounder. He's going to be competing for a starting job. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's it's. Look, the Bears are are not the most talented team, the most talented roster in in football. And again, uh, I I did confirm that this was uh, the pick that they got for Roquan. So basically, if you want to do the, the the comparison, the Bears traded Roquan Smith for Gervon Dexter and for Noah Sewell, and we'll see how that that plays Pulse out. They also them. traded Pulse him for fucking the, for them, the, Jackie. For, for the ability to not pay an uh, off-ball linebacker $20-plus million. So that is what I'm saying. Uh, anyways, um, 
Yeah, Noah Sewell is an interesting player because uh, there's a lot of talent. He has a lot of experience playing in, in that type of position. Um, I think, Frank, what happened was Noah Sewell was a first-round prospect as a, as a linebacker. Uh, but what happened was Oregon, it sounds like, tried to make him an edge rusher. And the production obviously fell off because he is not an edge rusher. And the only reason I know that is because I saw a lot of Bears fans asking on Twitter, hey, can we make this guy an edge rusher? Uh, and everybody, all the draft analysts said, uh, no, don't do not do that. Let him play linebacker. And again, people who are, I, I got, you know, I saw a ton of people being like, you know, this team just hates Jack Sanborn. They just, you know, they just don't want him to start. They don't want to give him a fair opportunity. If Jack Sanborn is displaced by a fifth round rookie, like then he probably wasn't all that good to begin with. Like granted, he he made a lot of plays in five games, but man, it, listen, I like Jack Sanborn. I think he can be a very productive player. I think he is going to start at the Sam linebacker position when in, at week one. But doesn't Frankie kind of feel like one of those Chicago athletes that people just fall in love with irrationally and just can't understand why the guy isn't an all pro linebacker. Like, doesn't he just kind of have that feel to him? Potentially. Yeah. But I think some of it's deserved because for an undrafted guy, I mean, me and you have both said even before they signed Tremaine Edmonds, like if they just walked in and he's the mic going in the next year, he, he earned that. But based on his play, sure. he, he earned whatever sure. they decided to give to him. But Again, this roster isn't all that great, and this is a fifth-round pick. He's gonna he's like he's gonna compete for the job. I would give Sanborn the edge because he's already had a Absolutely. full year in this system. He looked really good. He's a really good football player, and um, Sewell is gonna be a special teamer. If like that's best case scenario, like no, no one's running from or, or or let me not say it that way. Um, Jack Sanborn shouldn't be running from any sort of competition. He's an undrafted he guy. Because that's not and who he exactly. is. Exactly. He's an undrafted yeah. guy who made his way to this roster. Who, when his number was called, he was ready for it. He's not sitting around fucking pouting. He, I, I, I would assume if he can be unbiased in this, he gets it. He was still undrafted at the end of the day. No matter what he showed in those five games, they're looking to build this roster. And if best player available was the same position you're looking to play, they're going to pick him. It wasn't a first-round pick, so it's not automatically, well, we have to give this guy a chance. Go out there and beat him out. And I think he will. I, I I think Sam Warren's a better player than him, to be quite honest. But again, you still need depth at these positions. Anyone who, like, how low do you think of Jack Sanborn if you think a, fit, a fifth round pick is going to take his job immediately? That's that that, yeah. that, that that that's a little bit that's a little bit weird. But um with that being said, this is not abnormal for really anybody. Cause I remember when the Bears signed TJ Edwards, um, I forget what podcast it was, but there was a local Philly guy. I may, it may have been Hogan Johns, actually. There was a local Philly guy who came on, and like, they were like, you know, tell us about him. What is, you know, um, what is he, you know, what, what is he like on the field? What is he like in the locker room? And one of the things that came up from the local guy was like, look, every single year they drafted someone to be his replacement, and he just kept fucking beating them out. And he kept beating them out to a point where they couldn't afford him anymore. That's why he walked, because he, he played so well that, you know, yeah. it was out of their price range of what they wanted to pay for that position. And it's like, that may be what happens to Jack Sanborn. Maybe that's what happens. Every single year they think, you know what? Maybe we can improve on this guy, but he just continues to get better and continues to get better. Your, your spot isn't guaranteed, no matter where you're drafted, but especially as an undrafted rookie. And 
Right. I, I think again, I think Sanborn himself would tell you that he, he he's an underdog as is. So it, it you know it is what it is. But but the ultimate point though, forget even that is again you need depth. Someone wrote on Twitter the other day and I retweeted it. They were like, what, why like even the Tyler Scott thing? Well, why did we trade a second for Chase Claypool then? You need depth at every position, dude. You don't just get two players at, at a position and then you're done. Unless it's quarterback, then you want your starter, your backup, and maybe a third guy. But like, even offensive linemen, you you need a room. Wide receivers, you need a room. Linebackers, you need a room. These guys play special teams as well. It's something that you hit on earlier. Like, I don't know. People are just really fucking stupid. I I, I think it has less to do with loving Jack Sanborn because again, I think he's earned that. He's earned the right to be a fan favorite at this point. Sure. But like, give give it a fucking break, dude. Like. If he beats you know, this guy out, they're not just going to bench him just because they have some vendetta against Jack Sanborn. Uh, I, I, w- I will agree with you that the person who said, why did you draft Tyler Scott or, or why did you trade a second for Chase Claypool if you drafted Tyler Scott? I will say that that person is stupid. I agree because they obviously don't listen to the to the Bear With Us podcast where we talked about don't be surprised when the Bears draft another wide receiver because the depth here is still not very good. Yep. Like we don't, there's, Yes, you have three penciled in starters, but one is a guy who didn't really produce anything in his first half-ish season with the Bears, and the other guy's coming off of a very serious injury, and we don't know what he's going to look like. Oh, and also, he was a former fifth-round pick who may not be all that good. Like, <laughs> you know, we still don't know about about Darnell Mooney. I, I do think he, he will be good, um, just as long as he's healthy. Um Frank, the other picks, we'll run through them. Um, Terrell Smith, the cornerback out of Minnesota, again, like that, like uh, doubling. That's kind of where I like doubling up on on uh, positions that where I don't value as much in the later rounds. I think that's very smart. Um, they did not have a sixth-round pick, um, and uh, the reason for that is they trade oh – the Bears traded sixth-round pick number 178 overall to Miami in exchange for wide receiver Jakeem Grant. Oh, that was that pick, huh? Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, The Bears traded the second uh, sixth-round pick to the Chargers in exchange for two twenty-two seventh-round selections. Man, okay. Yeah, okay. They traded up last year, I guess. Or traded, yeah, traded up. Yes, they traded up. Okay, Um, whatever. And then they drafted uh, in the seventh round this year uh, the first-ever Kennesaw State player, Travis Bell. Another defensive tackle. Uh, He's I'm the sure first ever player at that at that school. Out of that school, football player. Oh, out drafted. of that school. You said at that school. Yeah. I thought he was the first enrolled. He was oh. that too. Oh, no, okay. I, I right. don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's true. Uh, and then Kendall Williamson, another cornerback uh, out of Stanford. It was a supplemental yeah. pick. Uh, l- um, little known fact about Kendall Williamson: that's Zion's brother. I did not. Is that, is that no? I made that serious? up. I made that up. Oh, okay. That see, you said it with such confidence. Where I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I guess that could be real. <laughs> uh, son of a bitch. Uh, anyways, um, no. All in all, um, you know, I, I'm not super into. I, I, I think we've talked about this before as well. I'm not super into grading draft picks um, or, or draft classes um, until they actually see the field. Um, but if you know, gun to my head, I was told, hey grade this draft class, uh, I would, I would probably go with a very solid B plus. I think, I, I don't think he knocked it out of the park. Um, I loved the Darnell Wright selection. Honestly, that might be my favorite pick. I just don't want to go super obvious with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. but there's a lot of guys that I don't necessarily love in this draft yet. 
I don't know a lot about them. So um, one thing, Frank, and I'll, I'll let you give us your grade as well if you want to. I really like that Ryan Poles drafted guys from schools that everybody has heard of outside of Kennesaw State in the seventh round. Yep. Everywhere else, Tennessee, Florida, South Carolina, Miami, Cincinnati, like big name schools, Texas. Everybody's heard of those schools. And for reasons, because those are where all the good football players go. You're not drafted out of North Carolina. You're not drafted out of UN's uh, uh, fucking Ashland State. None of that. None of it. All right. Yeah. No, Ryan Poles had the tendency to get very cute with that. And, uh, you know, he he hit on uh, Tariq Cohen and then was like, well, if I can hit there, we're just we're going everywhere. We're going to all the small schools. No, I mean, you know, I I, I, I like that because. We sort of opened the podcast talking with the Jalen Carter thing and, and, and the Eagles having like 10% of their defense is fucking Georgia players. Like, yes. use these power five conference teams to to like, they're the, that, that talent is at those teams for a fucking reason. I'm not saying don't scout the small teams. There could be r- diamonds in the rough. By all means, do that. But, I mean, cut it out. Like, this, is, this isn't this is rocket science when it comes to that. Like, there, there's a reason that Bama and Georgia and, and, and Tennessee even continuously get top 50 picks every single year. It just is what it is. And until that changes, you 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 know, you keep going to that well. So I was very excited about that. But if I had to put a great Jackie, uh, you know, A plus, I'm thinking 17 and 0. I'm thinking, you know, Super Bowl. Uh, no, I, 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 I was in that like B to B plus range as well. And, and the reason yeah. that it wasn't higher than that for me, because we're fans at the end of the day. We didn't scout all these guys. We didn't do all the work for, for um, you know, w- with, with, even the corner or the defensive tackles or anything. So, so we're, we're coming at things for based off what other people are saying in the moment and a little bit of homework after the fact, but I did want a center going into the draft. I really did. I love that they got the right tackle. Me being a fan, it's hard for me to shed that. I wanted an edge as well. They didn't get that. I'm able to compartmentalize and not act like Ryan Poles is being negligent, but by not getting the positions that I wanted, Frank, the guy who didn't even fucking scout the positions, the position groups, you know what I mean? But going in, I did want those. Those are my expectations. It didn't happen. But I mean, first through the, the 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 picks, first through fifth, all have a chance to be day one contributors. That doesn't mean superstars right out of the gate. It didn't even mean starters right out of the gate. If 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 I had to put money on one of them to be a starter, it'd be Darnell Wright. Obviously, I don't think I don't think Borum no. is going to keep that job. Um, right. With Tyreek Stevenson being a very close second as to who could start day one, that's right. good. That, that that that's very very good. Um, and then anything on top of that is is the cherry on top. You're talking about if like if, if Dexter and Pickens can overtake Billings and whoever else they're gonna have on the interior, maybe Justin Jones again. If they can overtake them year one, that's a huge win, barring any yeah. injury. If they get hurt and there's some, you know, if uh, Billings or, or or Walker or any anyone gets hurt and they have to play because of that, that's a different story. I mean, like come out of camp, kick ass, and just take their shit. That would be a win. So, yeah, I, I, I'm very excited about it. Um. And then, uh, so so we kind of went over our, our favorite picks from the draft. Um, I did want to talk about, you know, if you have a least favorite, go for it. Or if if there was maybe uh, a player, or you know what, not not even necessarily the player, because I think we've talked pretty positive about the guys who were drafted. Um, maybe you know, Frank, was there a player or a position that at a certain spot that they went? with this position that you were maybe hoping the bears would go a little bit different of a route. 
Yes, it was. Do you have one off the top of your head? I'm going to the draft because it was yeah. one in the second round that I wanted bad. Yeah, so uh, as much as I have fallen in love with Tyreek Stevenson, um, and I'm I'm very happy that he is on the Bears, uh, the pick right after him, the Giants selected John Michael Schmitz, the center from Minnesota. That's, that's what it was. Um, that was mine. That was it for Schmitz. you too? Okay. Yes, I, I couldn't All remember right, the center's yeah. name because it wasn't the Ohio State guy. I was... I was upset. I was yeah. a little upset, Jackie. Yeah, yeah, because uh, the people, I mean, talked about him like, you know, I think teams called him like a red a red chip player, uh, yep. a locker room guy, someone you really want uh, in that locker room. And again, I just, I really wanted them to continue to upgrade that offensive line. Uh, and, and instead they traded up for a corner, which I was kind of, you know, at the time I was disappointed with because I was right on board with you. I, I just wanted a center because I don't trust Cody. There's a reason Cody Whitehair was moved to left guard. You know, like we saw him play center before and it wasn't all that impressive. His snapping ability. Lucas Patrick. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, Lucas Patrick, like he might be good, but he's been hurt too much. Like we just don't know what what's there. So I was kind of hoping they, they pick like a captain of their offensive line, which is typically your center. Um, so, and then to see him go a pick later, that kind of hurt. That was kind of yep. like, I know that that kind of sucks. And to let everyone know that this was not a hindsight thing. I pulled up our text thread Friday at 7:40 PM. Uh, we were talking about the, the, the Dexter pick and you said he tested like an elite prospect. I was like, good, never heard of him, but let's go. And then I said, the bears traded up and you said only gave up a fifth. And I was like, I don't hate it. And uh, then you, you replied for a corner with the shake in my head emojis. And I said, God damn it. Isn't John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt available? That was a Schmidt's guy. <laughs> and then I said, fuck. And he goes in the very next pick. So, you know, we, uh, we, we wanted it in the moment as well. And it just did not happen. But again, that makes more sense to me just on paper, all things equal to not go with the center of this draft because you have guys who are formidable. Uh, edge, your whole. I'm really hoping they dip into the into the either Leonard Leonard Floyd bringing him back in town, or um, who is the other former Colt uh, that's out there, Jackie? Uh, for for what? Uh, the the free agent, the uh, the the oh, pass Yannick Ngakwe. Ngakwe. Yeah, Yannick Ngakwe. So I thought I'm, you got Rocky Sin, the corner who got oh, traded no. for Yannick Ngakwe, because they're both available. No, I, I I I don't want him. I don't need another cornerback on this roster. My head will fucking explode. Uh. Yeah, I, they're, they're going to have to dip into the free agent well. I mean, because, again, maybe you're right. Maybe they're a little bit higher on Travis Gibson, but I don't see how you could be. Yeah, I, and and so so that ultimately brings us to a, to a, a point, Frank, that I, I really wanted to talk about because a lot of the focus on this offseason, and, and very fair, very understandable, has been on Ryan Poles and his ability to draft because there were a lot of question marks after this last draft, right? One thing that I do not think got talked about quite enough in this offseason, um, and it's something that I have, and, and you can attest to this, I have sort of been the leading force in terms of getting this out into the ether. Matt Eberflus is not a, a, a finished product as a head coach. He should not be someone that you just trust is going to be a good head coach. I personally don't think he has shown enough to just – give me my full confidence that Ryan Poles can draft the perfect players. He can draft whoever he wants. And Matt Eberflus and his, and his coaching staff will be able to develop everybody. 
because there were a lot of guys last year, Frank, who did not develop the way that I was hoping they would, the way that you were hoping they would, the way that Bears fans were hoping they would. Travis Gibson went back to the position that he played in college that got him drafted and looked like ass. Like he looked bad last year. Where was outside of the corners that we talked about, those later round picks or the undrafted guys, Jack Sanborn, where else was the development? I I didn't see a whole lot of it. And that was a common theme, a common issue we had with, with Matt Nagy. Um, during his tenure was, okay, you talk about this offense at being a 202, but nobody has really stepped up. Nobody has been better in your offense. Um, now, granted, Matt Eberflus had a, ba- a very bad roster this, this past season, but can he just be ultimately trusted to just be able to do what he needs to do to develop the guys that Ryan Poles picks and I think that's a very important conversation to be had, especially where some of these guys got drafted. I agree with you, Jack. Um, depending on, I, I know you're like laying out, you know, uh, where Eberflus is as it stands. So I don't think you, you, you're, you're criticizing him. But I think anyone who would like leap that far and say there was no development would is being too harsh. That's one thing that we have to check, you know, this year to see the carryover from guys, does Jalen Johnson get better? Does uh, does does Kyler Gordon get better? Does Jaquan Brisker get better? Do some of the pass rushers get better? Does the interior now that it's built up now does that look good in this system? So like again, the the same way that I said that for Ryan Poles last year really wasn't a rebuild year, it was a teardown year. Last year for Matt Eberflus was more of like a a, a laying the foundation like. The cement really wasn't even dry yet until maybe like mid-year because it's a brand new system for even the carryover players. You're going from a a, a Vic Fangio-inspired 3-4 defense to a 4-3 cover 2. There's usually not very much carryover on the defensive line and the linebacker. That's why Roquan left because they didn't know, you know, they never tried him in the middle, but they they probably felt like he didn't have the athleticism to do that in, in that type of uh, 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 uh that type of a defense. I'm fucking stuttering like crazy. Um, the uh, So that is one thing that we will keep track of. I mean, it's one thing that through Nagy's tenure, we were like, who has gotten better this year? Where, where's the progress? We will continue to do that. But again, last year to me was like establishing this baseline. This is who Jalen Johnson is right now in this defense. Where is he going to be at mid-year next year? At the end of the year next year? The year after that, if he's still on the roster? And it's like, so now that we have year one under us, I don't feel comfortable judging Matt Eberflus yet. I mean, to a point where we, what do we have? 24th, 25th on our coaches, right? He's not very high, not so much of a fault of his own, but now is when you start to see that this year is year one for him to show this is the identity that I'm building. This is the hits principle that we're building. And now we can move forward and, and, and build together with Ryan Poles. But I'm already Jackie. Here's the thing to your grander point. This is really the last thing that I have on, on, on the topic. Um, even if Eberflus flames out, he winds up not being the greatest coach. The development just isn't there. And I know the the the, the pushback from other people is going to be, well, you know, uh, Ryan Poles is the guy who hired him. And, and that is true. But with the way Ryan Poles has managed these two drafts and these two offseasons, he's already shown me that he's savvy enough to be here through a coaching fire and hiring another guy. Like, he he is... The level of savviness that he's shown in the last couple of years is more than any front office. You think of Phil Emery. You think of... Um, you think of Ryan Pace and you think of Jerry Angelo. Those were the the, the big 
you know, front the front offices of our lifetime, there that was never there. The things that he's doing with the trading back and just and just like you know being open to the media and talking through his process, we've never had that before. Yeah, you know it's it's interesting because uh, you know football it's such a fast because you're able to turn things around so quickly um, where everybody does get sort of tied together. I remember having conversations where we were like, you know, maybe, maybe pace does go, but you know, maybe, uh, and, or maybe pace stays and Nagy goes, you know, maybe he should get another opportunity and yada, yada, yada. But like, it kind of does remind me this situation a little more of like baseball almost where like the Cubs, for example, hire Ricky Renteria to be their coach. Theo Epstein is doing the teardown. He's rebuilding. He's drafting the guys. He's signing guys that make sense. And then when they're ready to win, you go and get one of the best coaches in, in baseball. And granted, it's not exactly the same. You can't necessarily translate it to the same way because it's such a vastly different sport, obviously. But it kind of does feel like that where it's like, if, Ryan Poles, like if, if Matt Eberflus doesn't continue to progress the way that we hope he does the team, the offense, the defense, like it wouldn't be a shock to me to see Ryan Poles stick around and get to pick another head coach. Same. Granted, that is so far down the road that we can't even can, like, we probably shouldn't begin to talk about it. But since you brought it up, it does kind of have that feel where it's like Ryan Poles had to tear this entire thing down and maybe he just got a placeholder uh for now just to kind of help him um you know put the pieces together and then when everything is assembled if things aren't progressing the correct way you know i i'll, I'll, I'll leave it at this ryan poles has shown me more at this point than ryan uh than, than matt eberflus has yeah. and, and maybe that's not fair right but i, I talked about it many times throughout last season had a lot of question marks about the way that that Matt Eberflus was going about things. Um, and, you know, I, I'm hoping we don't see as much of that in his second season. No, I I agree. And I hope I hope that this conversation isn't coming across like we're advocating for Matt Eberflus to be to be fired. I, the point at the I'm glad you sort of tied it in a bow there. The overall point is that Ryan Poles has already shown me so much like he he's shown just that level of savviness that you need to be a general manager in the NFL um, and the moves that he's made and the way that he's carried himself and nego- carried himself in negotiations has been phenomenal. Um, the only, I, my only, like semi pushback to that though, to my to our our own theory that we just came up with, um, is I wonder then if that is the case, if he's just a placeholder head coach, is Ryan Poles then married to a cover two because he's building a cover two defense. The players yeah, he's getting are fitting, you know what I mean? Like they're fitting yeah. what a cover two coach wants to do. So wh- whoever you would move on to, whether it was a defensive or offensive head coach, if it's defenses, I, I wonder if you'd be looking for a cover two or at least a base four, three instead of a three, four, because then you'd have to tear the whole thing down again. Not the whole thing, but you know, there's usually not much carryover pieces from that. Um, so that would be curious because he, like, I, I mean, that that's the one thing that, that polls talked about. That was Part of his job interview, he said, "If you're hiring me, I'm bringing Matt Eberflus." There was this wasn't a, a th- these weren't untied signings. The, these were this was a, a a marriage coming in. He had already identified yeah, it, as a coach. It it just goes back to like I, I I'm not I, I've never been a big proponent of the three four defense. I prefer 
just personally a four three. So I kind of just hope that they just if it does change, you know, they stick with a four three. I don't even know why we're talking <laughs> specifically talking about this. It's not going to happen for a very long time at this point. And there's other things that we could be talking about. But since we're having a conversation, um, Frank, one other thing I did want to touch on a little bit, um, you know, if there was any other disappointment that I had coming from the draft outside of the centers or the edge rushers, it was, I was kind of hoping one of the tight ends would fall a little bit more for the bears to get. Uh, it sounded like there were some, some injury concerns, um, on, on Washington. And I kind of hope that the bears would maybe take a chance at a guy like that. But again, it, they're in this tough position where they can't really be affording to take chances on projects. Um, Darnell Washington is who I'm referring to. He was drafted by the Steelers. Um, so I, I get it on that level. Um, but I guess, you know, they're going to roll with, with Cole Komet and, uh, and, and just hope that he continues his ascension from last year and, um, you know, really becomes a focal point of this offense. Um, was there anything else, any other position you were kind of like, damn, I was really hoping we might get that. No, defensive end. I mean, we got the right tackle. We knew that was going to happen. But defensive end and center were were the two I wouldn't have been upset at tight end. But again, I I feel similarly to what to what, uh, what I was saying about the center position. And like, Komet may not be the game-breaking, game-changing type of guy, but he's a serviceable tight end. And Rob Tanyan is a really, really good red zone threat. So I think they're yeah. good going into next year. That may have been one thing that if they had a tight end pretty high on their board and they didn't want to take him, they'd be looking to trade back you know, uh, to, to gather more picks. They just felt like they were set at that position. I, I think that, that is the one thing we should have touched on earlier too, was like, I think that gets lost as well. When talking about best player available, you don't always just select them because they're the best. You look to trade back and, and gather more picks because you don't necessarily need to fill that hole. You know what I mean? So that could have right. happened with tight end if they felt strongly about Cole Komet. Um, but no, I, th th those are the two positions for me. I, 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 everything else I think is covered. I, I, I think there's going to be some camp battles. Th that's the one thing I'm really excited about is the camp battles. I, I want to see, is, is Stevenson going to come right in and be the outside guy? Is Kyler going to have something to say about that? Are they going to sort of, you know, pin them against each other throughout the training camps? What's going to happen at center? Is Tevin Jenkins just your surefire left guard? Or do they sign someone after someone gets cut? I mean, there's going to be depth there. Hell, do you put like Larry Borum at left guard? Who the fuck knows what's going to happen? Like, there's still going to be a little bit of movement um, on that offensive line. So that's what I'm really excited about coming out of this draft. Yeah, and that brings me up to my my kind of last question I have uh, for you. And and you know, is there anything you know? I guess what needs what's left to be done in this offseason? Is there anything else, any other position, any other player outside of I know you know you touched on Ngakwe a little bit. I I obviously think that just makes a ton of sense. Or you know, obviously Frank Clark, depending on what he wants to do, being in his age thirty one season, a little bit older. Um, is there anything else that you feel like they have to do before the season, you know, or before the off season really gets started? Edge, yeah. You have to sign Yannick Ngakwe or Leonard Floyd. Um, or both. Fuck it. We don't really have any we don't really have any edge rushers. I guess you could, yeah. Um <laughs> But but I I would feel more comfortable if we had one more like swing tackle guard type of player. Larry Borum, I think is, is going to be a solid backup. But Tev at left guard, if you can just ensure me that he's healthy and maybe I wouldn't feel this way because then maybe you can, you know, uh, you don't have to worry about it too much and you can plug in Borum for a game or two uh, where, where injuries happen. But I think you still need one more player. Because I know people have been talking about Doug Kramer, but he was a six-round pick. I mean, 
I, I don't, you know what I mean? And I'm thinking like if, um, you know, if, if, uh, Braxton Jones goes down. Are, are, are we inserting Larry Borum at left hat? Like that, you know, I I feel like we need a little bit more depth on the offensive line. So I I, I think Ryan Poles is gonna uh you know see as the deadlines get here to for roster cut downs and things. He'll probably wait till then to, to play. That's usually when you get more veteran type of guys um for the, for the for the trenches and uh and have that happen. But that, that's about it. I mean, again, I I thought Ryan Poles did a phenomenal job at filling holes on this team because there there was a lot of them. Yeah, I, I feel good about this draft. You just kind of, again, look at their their unofficial depth chart. And, I mean, if you're just looking at it right now, they added at the very least two starters, um, potentially a fourth wide receiver, uh, a, two rotational defensive tackles that they absolutely needed, and then a couple corners that they can plug and play, and then a fourth potential linebacker. And, again, special teams players to, to make those, that unit a little bit better. There's You, you kind of hit the nail on the head. There's going to be a lot more competition uh, at this, at this, uh, you know, in this camp than there was last year at this time. And and that's really exciting. Um, and there are, you know, I, I just think that Ryan polls, while I don't think this was like a grand slam, you know, draft or anything like that. I think he did a lot of what he needed to do to get this thing on the right track. Um, which yep. I just think is, is very exciting. Yeah, no, I mean, again, the, the theme for this off season, now that the draft is over, the floor has been risen. The floor has absolutely been risen at, at almost every single position group. Again, we talked about even signing Nate Davis to be your right guard. That That's an upgrade over Tevin Jenkins because he's been playing right guard his whole career. But now Tevin Jenkins moves over to left guard. That's an upgrade over Cody Whitehair. Cody Whitehair going to center is an upgrade over Sam Mustafer. You upgraded. that. That's raising your right. floor. You you sign some defensive tackles. You sign a defensive end to Marcus Walker. Hopefully you get a, a, a even better edge rusher than that. You get Javon, you get um, uh, Zach, like you're, you're getting these guys, you're you're raising the floor. You look at what, I mean, can you even off the top of your head with, I mean, you've been looking at the roster a little bit more than me throughout this episode, but can you name another interior defensive lineman that was on the Bears outside of Justin Jones last year? Because off the top of my head, I can't. Uh, and we're fucking fanatics. We have a goddamn had, Bears podcast. There, there was that guy uh, that they got from the Vikings. The guy with the number, name, the guy with the number that the guy made that one face. play. In one of those weeks, uh, yeah, I remember him. What shit? Hold on, hold on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull it. That's up, my point, but Jack, me. that 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 is my point. People who yeah. watch every single week, who keep up with practices and OTAs, it's I, off the top. Of my, if I were to look at the roster, I'd be like, oh yeah, duh. But my point is, the floor has been risen. Now again, if this Stevenson kid hits, he's an upgrade. Angelo Blackson. Angelo Blackson had a couple made, made some plays. Watts. Ar 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 oh Ar yeah, Ar Watts was Ar too upgrade. Armin and, Watts and had Mike a few bad passes. You don't remember? You don't remember Mike Pinnell Jr.? Come on, Frankie. Faintly, but I mean, but my point is, Stevenson hits upgrade over Kyler. Kyler is an upgrade over Jalen Jones uh, on the inside. Like you're upgrading, you're raising the floor of this team. That's gonna be the name of this episode. The Bears have raised the floor. They haven't raised hell just yet, but they've raised the floor. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, I, I'm, I'm excited. I, I again. I love Darnell Wright. I think that pick is just so smart. I think it's going to really, really be a good pick. Um, I'm going to DM him. You think he'll come yeah. on our podcast? I think he would. I'm going to do it. Would. I'm going to do it right now. He, he might be listening. He might be listening as we're talking to this. Well, probably not as we're talking because it's not a, a live podcast. Um, but, you know, maybe he listens to the Spotify version of it afterwards. Or maybe he listens on YouTube where you can find us um, as well. Um, but, Frankie... Uh, a very solid, successful draft, I think. 
Um, very excited to see these players and what they do, um, you know, in the off season and, and really just overall what this roster really looks like. Um, you know, I, I think more so than if the, you know, regardless of what the players do at this level, Frank, I got to say, I've just, I'm, I'm very happy with the process that Ryan polls, this front office, the coaching staff, the way that they've handled this off season, I've been very happy about the way that they've done it. The trade back to get DJ more extra picks next year, the draft selections, how they came to the determination to get Darnell Wright, trading back a pick to get an extra pick for one spot when there was a guy you just weren't going to draft. Like I just have really liked the process. Um, I like the, the, the profiles that Ryan Poles has drafted, the athletic scores, because again, it just really seems like he's just a guy that believes in the athletic talent and his coaches will be able to coach them the way that they need to. I, I, I there's something about that, that I really like. Um, so yeah, overall, I think this has been a very successful start to the off season. Um, and, and we'll see if any big other signings happen, if any other trades happen, um, you know, but we're, we're getting closer to the start of the 2023 season. That we are, Jackie, and I'm so excited about it because fucking basketball sucks, baseball sucks, <laughs> hockey sucks, and I love boxing, but it's only, you know, it's fighters only fight once twice every, a year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> once every four months or so. Yeah. But I mean, there's usually a fight every Saturday, but it's just, you know, different people. It's got to do a lot to keep up with. Yeah. It. There, there's a reason we we uh, we we don't talk about basketball or, or baseball on this podcast anymore. Yeah, there's, there's a uh, there's, there's a a Jerry sell the team sign like a, a half a block away from my house. Did you put so, it there? No, fuck no. I want him to own that team forever. I'd like him to sell the Bulls. <laughs> but what, yeah, but what about the Bulls? He can so. sell the Bulls. He can. I want him to own the White Sox forever. Forever. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, but um, we appreciate you guys listening to the, to the bear with us podcast, Frank, I don't know why, but for like the last three times I've said the bear with us podcast today, I've almost said the corked up podcast. I heard, I, I heard it. I heard the hesitation the in your voice and bit. I've been highly disappointed. I'm shocked. I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know. It just, it, it, I, I think I was just so used to saying it and, uh, you know, I haven't said the bear with us podcast as much, but you know, bear with me on that. That's solid wordplay for you. Thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Later, Jackie. Later, everybody. Everybody love everybody!